construction, God is there to help us make all of our home improvements. When you were a kid, did you do anything to get out of church? Um, I don't know if some of you uh, heard this from last weekend, but uh, my, my youngest, Aaron, we were just getting ready to, you know, dig into the sermon when Ben was preaching, and as soon as Ben started talking, like, my, my four-year-old Aaron, he had to bolt out the door to throw up. And so I'm just saying there's got to be some bad blood there, right? Like, there's something going on. Um, today is, is all about the, the topic of bad blood, and... I'm going to give you some disclaimers in a minute. I don't want you to think I'm naive when it comes to just, oh, let's just fix our relationships where there's bad blood. I know it's complicated. We'll get to that in a second. First of all, first of all I need to share just one example or one uh, story I have about bad blood. And when you hear this, some of you are going to be like, oh, that's nothing. And I know it's just a small example, um, but it, it happened 22 years ago my first year in high school. And I've told, I've told you guys this before, but uh, I grew up in Oklahoma. My parents still live there. And for high school, I went to Nebraska. There was a Christian high school in Nebraska that I went to. So it was a dorm school, so I stayed in a the dorm. There were good kids and bad kids there, so it wasn't all bad kids. But uh, we stayed in a dorm. My freshman year, obviously, in a dorm, you have to share your room with others, right? Well, um, w- my freshman year, they picked three people I didn't know, and they put us all together in a room, and they said, you're going to room together. So that's just the way it was, me and three other freshmen. Well, one of, this, one of the guys, we, he and I just did not get along. And I can't for the life of me remember how it started, but I do remember how it ended. Um, I'll, I'll share you his nickname. His nickname was, was Rabbit. And by the way, he, so he was like shorter and quick. That's why we called him Rabbit. And I'm going to share some things, not because I'm piling up dirty laundry against him. He is a great guy. But for whatever reason, the bad blood between us made us not great with each other. So, so as I thought back to just our relationship, I can't remember all the things I did to him, <laughs> but I remember all the things he did to me. I made a quick list of, of some of the things he did. Uh, so some of the things he did were like he took my alarm clock, which we all had our own alarm clock, and he cut the power cord. So I had to splice the wires back together after I unplugged it. And, you know, put the electrical tape around it. So he cut the power cord on my alarm clock. Um, on one occasion, he actually, we, had, we each had our own closet in the dorm room that we could lock. He stole my key so I couldn't lock it. And two weeks later, I finally found it where he had hit it. Uh, on one occasion, he actually uh, put a bunch of gunk in my key, where the key is supposed to go. To go and so I was not unable to use it for a while. On one occasion, he stole what I think was about $80 from me. And that $80 was supposed to buy my football jacket for high school. Um, on one occasion, he took a hymnal that I had gotten from my confirmation, like my, my godparents got me a customized, I'm sorry, a hymnal, customized hymnal for, for my confirmation. In fact, here it is, leather bound, it had my name, has my name on it, confirmation date. He took it, he put a tack in, in the cover of it. So he stuck a tack right in the cover of my hymnal. And then on another occasion, he actually took some Kool-Aid and poured it on to poor him 100, a lamb goes on complaining forth. <laughs> now, again, I, I share all the, the, he is a great guy, and I, I wish I could remember all the things I did against him. I don't remember what got it started, but I remember the day it ended. We had a physical altercation. It, it got worse and worse and worse until we were on the ground wrestling, 
and he was smaller, so I ended up on top. I ended up winning. There was no blood, no bruises that I remember, but from that day forward, it was just bad blood. Uh, last week, Ben gave a great fight plan for a conflict in the future, but, but this week is all about what about the bad, bad blood we have as a result of today or as a result of yesterday. Um, here's my hope for today. You know the bad blood you have. This is the direction I want to go. You need to make a move to address the bad blood. This is just the direction we're going to go with this today. We just make a move to address the bad blood. And I don't want to be naive. I don't want to say, okay, if there's bad blood between you and someone else, we're just going to magically fix it this week, like there's one thing to do. Or you know, It's not an easy fix. But here's the thing. When there's bad blood between you and someone else, you're both waiting for the same thing. You're both waiting for the other person to acknowledge their fault. You're both waiting for the other person to make it up and to make men's. You're both waiting. So my, the, the point I want to drive home today is today, this week, could you make the move? Could it be your move to settle bad blood? And here's the goal. Like, maybe the goal for you is just to hate that person a little bit less. <laughs> or maybe the goal is if you can't make peace in the relationship, could we at least make peace about the relationship? Like at least we've gone as far as we can go to make things right again, and we can have peace with that even if we don't have peace with them. A bad blood it requires your move. Now here's the first fill, and, and, and here's where I acknowledge that bad blood is complicated and it's costly. It's complicated because there's always two people who view the same issue from a different story, different things they, they think, and, and very different ideas. And so when you try to figure out bad blood, well, where did it start? What's going on? You can rarely figure that out. Bad blood is complicated, and you know this because a lot of times, if, if someone has bad blood with someone else, that bad blood oozes into other relationships too. Right, have you noticed that? Where bad blood with this person and that person, like it has an impact on you, it has an impact over here. So bad blood is really complicated and it's also very costly. It costs you peace. I heard it phrased this way once where if, if you're talking about this idea of bad blood, it's, it's like you're giving someone rent-free space in your head. Like, they can just pull on wires and do things, and, make, and, and they're controlling you to some extent, rent-free. Like, they're not, even getting, uh, they're not even paying you for it. So bad blood has a cost. It comes at the cost of your peace. Now, I'm going re, to restate this again. If you have bad blood with someone, the, the end result isn't, hey, magically make it better. Could we at least see what it looks like for you to take a move towards peace? Could we at least see what it looks like to have peace in the relationship or at the very, very least, peace about a relationship? Now, to help us figure this out, the Apostle Paul, who, by the way, was very familiar with bad blood, he's going to give us some, some uh, information here and some, some wisdom from God about how to settle bad blood in your life. He was surrounded by bad blood on every side, from, from the Jews, from the Gentiles, from the church people. If you, if you look um, through a lot of his letters in the New Testament, a lot of ink was spent trying to fix bad blood within, within congregations. So he knew what bad blood was like. 
Uh, we're going to look at uh, his letter to the Christians in Rome, uh, written in the first century, and we're going to go into, into chapter 12, where he's going to give some application to what it means to love God and forgive others. So Romans chapter 12, each one of these verses we're going to look at has so much in them, I'm going to try not to get too bogged down because we need to get you out of here before lunchtime. But this is what Paul said. He said, don't repay anyone evil for evil. Failed that one. Don't repay anyone evil for evil. Here's the thing about evil for evil. Evil for evil does, it's like evil can evil. Evil for evil does not require any forethought. It doesn't require any planning. I'm going to talk to the evil masterminds in the room in just a little bit. But for the rest of us, evil for evil is just automatic. You did something against me, I'm going to do it back to you. You said something about me, I'm going to say it back to you. Evil for evil requires no thought, no planning. And, and Paul says, I know it's easy, but it's not going to settle anything. It'll just make things worse. Don't repay evil for evil. I love this next word. He says, be careful. Careful literally means I want you to look ahead to see how your actions could impact this situation. Give it some thought. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of, and I, I'm sorry, I don't use this word often. I hate this word. Be careful to do what's right in the eyes of everyone. But what if they deserve it? No, everyone. Um, here's another thing about this. This is basically the definition of forgiveness, right? To forgive is to not repay evil for evil. To forgive is to do good even when they don't deserve it. Um, I've heard it uh, put this way. Unforgiveness, if you refuse to forgive someone, this is kind of funny, it's like you eating rat poison to kill the rat. And you're like, well, the rat isn't dead yet. I better eat more rat poison to try to kill the rat. Like, it doesn't make sense, right? But unforgiveness is this thing that, that can swell up inside of us, and it's, it's this way that we slowly poison ourselves, and it costs us peace. Now, that's just one <laughs> very bad reason to motivate people to forgive others. Like, the, the impact it has on me, that's like nothing. And if you're meeting with your growth group this week, that's going to be one of the questions you go through. It, th- that's not so big of a, a motivation to forgive others is the, the peace it gives me. Paul's going to get to the real motivation in just a minute. But don't repay evil for evil. Don't go there. He's going to give us some practical advice then what that means. First of all, verse 18, as, as far as, if it is possible, and, and what that means is, Paul says it might not be possible. But if it is, and as far as it depends on you, so this is going to require something from both parties, but you can do, if it's possible, live at peace with, there's that word again, everyone. But what if, what if they're voting for Hillary? What if they're voting for Trump? You know, and, and I don't want to get too much into that. We're going to talk about the wall in just a minute. But um, we're going to get into the election thing in, in a few series, and we're going to make everyone angry when we get to that. So I'm going to save that. But here's this, the simple, simple truth. As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. So in other words, if there's bad blood, maybe there's a way to bring peace into that relationship. But Paul is saying, at the very least... Let's make a move so that you can have peace about it. Well, what does that look like, Paul? He's going to tell us. Verse 19, do not take revenge. 
Leave room for God's wrath. Don't take it. There's something you need to leave. Don't take something. There's something you need to leave. Leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it's mine to avenge, it's mine to repay. Now, revenge, here's, okay, for you evil masterminds in here, like some of you maybe are like Dr. Evil, where you have that cat and you're doing this thing and like you have plans for laser beams or something like that. I don't know. It doesn't take an evil mastermind to plan out revenge. Here's another way to say it. Revenge isn't just external retaliation, but revenge can also be internal celebration of someone else's misfortune. There's a lot of shin words in there. So revenge doesn't have to be external retaliation. It can be internal celebration over someone's misfortune. Try tweeting that one out. That's probably more than 144 characters, though. Here's the the point. It doesn't have to be this planned, outward demonstration of hatred. It can simply be a celebration. My question for you is, whose misfortune are you celebrating? You know, maybe someone came to you and they're like, yeah, I lost my job again. I'm not sure what I'm going to do. And, and you say, oh, that's too bad. But you're thinking, maybe this should tell you something about your work ethic. Or maybe they come to you and they say, well, you know what? The relationship isn't going well. I broke up with him, broke up with her again, and this is blah, blah, blah. And you're like, oh, that's too bad. And deserved it. You see, there, there can be this internal celebration we have over someone else's misfortune, and that is every bit as, as serious to take to heart as outward retaliation. Uh, God says, do not take revenge. Don't take that on yourself, because here's the thing. Revenge is not your job. It's not your job to go and police everyone and make sure that they're held accountable for every one of their mistakes and sins. That's not your job. That- So when you seek revenge and when you repay evil for evil, you're actually failing to trust God to do what he said he would do. Illustration. Here's here's what that looks like. Um, You know Jonah in the Old Testament? The prophet Jonah? The one who was swallowed by the fish? You see, his whole thing was, the reason he was in the fish is because he didn't want to leave room for God. And if, if you have time this week, it's four chapters, Jonah 1, 2, 3, 4. In Jonah chapter 4, we finally get from him why he didn't want to go to this place called Nineveh to tell them that destruction was coming, you know, to tell them to repent. Jonah's like, God, I did not want to leave room for you because I knew that you'd just give them a chance to repent. I knew you'd just have mercy, and I knew you'd just forgive them, and I didn't want that. And maybe that's something we need to think about too. Why do we internally celebrate someone else's misfortune? Maybe it's because we're trying to take the role of God and impose on them something that God doesn't. So here's the turning point. Fill in number two if you're taking notes on your sheet. You see, forgiveness creates progress towards peace. I'm not saying forgiveness all of a sudden erases all the bad blood and if you just forgive them, everything will be great again. I'm not saying that. I'm saying forgiveness is your move. It's a that progresses you towards peace. And we know that so well because God created space with us. He said, sinner, here's what's in front of you. Here's the death that you deserve. My wrath is coming, but I've provided a way out. I've given you forgiveness. His forgiveness created peace with us. Now, why wouldn't the same be true of the way that we engage others? Now, we're going to look at some practical ways. What does forgiveness need to dig into that a little bit? And that's kind of how we're going to uh, finish off.
So, so Paul continues like this. He says, don't get revenge, but here's the opposite. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. You guys are going to love this last part. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. So in doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Get it? Should we move on? Now, there's different ways to understand this. I'm going to boil it down to two main ways. Um, way number one is the sadistic uh, interpretation, where Paul literally just wanted people to suffer. And that's kind of what it seems like at first, right? Like when we do good to people who don't deserve it, like we're shaming them for their bad behavior and their conscience is burning up inside. So it's like we're, we're making them feel even worse by doing good things to him. And Paul's like, take that. Um, but you see, Paul wasn't really the sadistic type like, he wouldn't do things to make other... Here's, here's the second way, and here's the way I prefer to take this. This is actually a quote from Proverbs. And back then, I don't know how this started, but back then, basically what would happen is if someone was guilty of something, let's say they stole something from a neighbor and they got caught, and the, the community was like, oh my goodness, such a sinner. You know, everyone was basically just judging that person. If they were sorry for what they did, they would take a pot of hot coals found on top of their head. Don't ask me who started that or who came up with the idea. That's just kind of the tradition that was around back then. So if you wanted to demonstrate that you were truly sorry for something you did and show it in a public way, you would carry around this pot with burning coals on top of your head. And people would look at that and say, oh, they're sorry. Uh, they, they repent. They, they want to make things right. Now look again at what Paul said. See, if you're kind to your enemy you might be a party in their Your kindness might be the thing that draws them both to, to you and to God. And again, why shouldn't that make sense? Because here's what Paul said in Titus 3. When the kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of righteous things we did, but because of his love and mercy. When his kindness appeared, that's what won us over. So when he appears to someone who may be in, in a bad blood relationship, that kindness may be the thing that draws them to you and to God. And Paul wraps it up with this. Don't be overcome by evil. Don't fall into that re repetitive cycle of evil for evil because that's basically evil having control over your life. Don't let that happen. And I think this was targeted especially towards the guys in, in Rome. Because when guys are like told, oh, it's just control. Like, no, it isn't. Shoo, it's not going to control me. Uh, but he said, don't be overcome by this. This can control you. But rather, overcome evil with good. Overcome it with good. Here's the, the next fill in, number three. Peace begins when your demand for payment ends. What are you waiting for? What do they owe you? How did they devalue you, ruin your life? What would it take to make it even? Can you stop demanding payment? Because if you can do that, that's the way that peace begins. You see, the reason we can come here to, to church, to Bethlehem, and, and start things off with just a song where we praise God is because God did this for us. He didn't demand payment from us. He didn't say, you need to make things right, or this is how it's going to be said. I'm going to take that payment on myself. I will stop demanding payment from you. And that is the path to peace.
So here's the closing thought, then three applications. God paid. It's your move. God paid the debt between you and him. How do you respond? How do you love him back? But here's the other thing that's, that's equally true. God paid the debt that that person owes you. God forgave them. Now what's your move? When it comes to bad blood relationships, both parties are always waiting. Well, they owe me, they owe me. But here's the step for you this week. It's your move. God has paid it. It's your move. For, for a lot of us, the bad blood, it can't be erased. It can't be settled. Uh, for, for some of us, there will never be peace in that relationship. But what if, as far as it depended on us, we, we did everything so at least we could have about the relationship? These are just three ways I rattled off this week, and I'm sure there's more, and you could even argue these, but these are three ways I think that, and they're um, increasing in stages here as far as what it looks like to, to decide to stop demanding payment. And what does it look like when we take a step towards peace? This is the first way. And the, the first one's easy, then it gets hard. So if you're like, oh, I got this, <laughs> just wait. So internally is the first one. Can you just accept the apology that you never received? Because here's the thing, someone to apologize to you in order for you to forgive them. You can just decide on the inside, you know what? I'm going to stop demanding payment from them. I'm going to forgive them. And that's a decision I make internally. Can you imagine how your life would be different if you, got, if, if you stopped giving them rent-free space in your mind? If you said, I forgive it, you're out of it, it, it doesn't matter. Imagine what difference that would make. And then once you do that, you can go on to step two. Here's we, uh, we get political. Take down the wall that kept them from you. And nothing political meant by this. Don't even go there. Um, passively, you see, when, when there's bad blood, a lot of times there's this dividing wall between you and them. Some of that wall is up to you. Some of that wall is up to them. What if you just took down your part of the wall? And when something comes over, what if your attitude was, I'm not going to demand payment? Imagine what would happen. Here's the hardest one. Actively seek other person. Maybe that's in the form of responding to an email that they wrote three years ago. Maybe it's in, in the form of a phone call. But what I want it to be isn't this seeking them out to tell them how they've messed up, even if they did. Here's how it has to go. You go to that person and you tell them, look, I know there's bad blood in me and it's all on me. I want to make things right. I want to take a step in peace to see how we can honor God with our relationship. And I don't want to be naive. I don't want to think that, okay, well, this will fix every single issue of bad blood in here. And like we've been saying, while it's our goal to have peace in every relationship, maybe this is just a matter of you honoring God, trusting God, and having peace about a relationship. Because as far as it depended on you, you've established peace with as many as you can have. Um, and here's kind of how we close. So the foundation for all this, the foundation for all this, isn't a happier, better, better life for you, although you will have that. You see, the foundation is God did these things to you. Before you were born, God decided, I'm not going to hold this against them. I'm going to forgive them, even though I never received an apology. God internally forgive. God took down the wall of separation between you and him, and that started by him not demanding payment from you. God sought you out, like Ben said last week. God sought you out. 
to make a relationship with you. And guess what? The payment was on him. So if you have bad blood in any relationships, here's my encouragement this week. Just think about those three things. What is your next move? Because when it comes to bad blood, it is your move. Let's close with prayer. Uh, Dear Father in heaven, I'm pretty sure I prayed this in week two, but uh, as I stand up here, it's a lot easier for me to teach about these things and preach about these things than it is for me to actually go home and put them into practice. I know the same is true of all of us. We we can get excited about the, the possibilities of redeeming relationships that have bad blood in them, but when we go home out there, it's going to be hard, and there, there are going to be excuses for us to back down. So my prayer is that as we leave this week, we would simply take to heart the love and commitment that you had with us, even though we made bad blood with you. It was your good blood that brought us into relationship with you. Now help us to honor that, honor your sacrifice, and and show thanks for it in the relationships that we have with others. We pray that all in Jesus' name. Amen.